Some of the language in this podcast may not be appropriate for all listeners. Discretion is advised. Okay, guys, I have, I have big news. We've got a sponsor. Oh, Huge sponsor. That's great. Yeah, very. forget the Patreon bucks. Forget the t-shirt sales. Awesome. This is where it's at. Okay, let's Here, do it. Check it out. The all-new 2019 Bird Scooter is equipped with a state-of-the-art .33 horsepower engine that will take you from 0 to 15 miles per hour in just under 20 seconds. It features textured rubber grips, ultra-responsive handbrakes, and two 8.5-inch air-filled tires for superior handling, performance, and torque. Whatever that is. It has a maximum travel range of 18 miles under very specific conditions, including flat roads, no strong headwind, and a passenger who falls well below the maximum weight limit. Are you ready to supercharge your commute? Ride Bird. Available in all city area sidewalks. Just watch your step. Don't trip over them. Wow. Nice, huh? Yeah, that's good. So that's big dollars, right? That's VC money. By Definitely. The, by the way, the guy who voiced that ad Super sexy sounding. Oh I yeah, gotta say. Like, really wow. tough, really There's tough. Big of, future in voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> okay, nice. Wow, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, proving ground media, up and coming uh, production house, and uh, you know, we we just figured it was time to get into some of that, you know, two billion dollars of um, scooter money. okay so would we sell out i don't know it's a big question um but in the meantime if you want to give us real money and not fake ad money you can go to our website thewaroncars.org click on donate you can support us on patreon and we have lots of stickers as always t-shirts all that kind of stuff speaking of t-shirts the good folks at cotton bureau are printing some of our t-shirts if you are listening to this when we release Head on over to Cotton Bureau, look for the War on Cars t-shirts, and you can order it. If you miss the sale at Cotton Bureau, just sign up, give them your email. They will notify you the next time they are available, which will likely be in the new year. Yeah, and um, they make great stocking stuffers. Uh, who doesn't want a War on Cars t-shirt under the, under the tree or for Hanukkah? But you have to move fast. It's like Black Tuesday. Yeah, there's only going to be one day probably by the time this episode drops. So yeah, yeah get yours. And yeah, maybe ruin your Christmas by giving one to your suburban driving family. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Welcome to The War on Cars. Uh, I'm Aaron Napperstack here with Sarah Goodyear and Doug Gordon. And today we are talking about mobility and masculinity. Wait a second. Why? Why is it mobility and masculinity and because not? Because it's masculinity and mobility. <laughs> mobility is masculine, Sarah. But it should be mobility and gender, maybe. Sarah, have you not heard car commercials? <laughs> but yes, it's a good point. Why is it that we think of cars as being like this big macho thing? But one of the things that people say about scooters is, oh, they're so. They're toys. They're for children. They're or for... you look. Yeah, you, you don't look, look masculine you when you're don't riding. Look masculine. One. Yeah. Yeah. So my son, my youngest son, his knee got hurt last spring playing sports, and I thought that a good way for him to get around the neighborhood would be on one of these newfangled e-scooters. So I went out to Craigslist and I bought I bought an electric scooter, pretty heavy duty. It actually wasn't even very cheap, even secondhand, and I started trying to use it around the neighborhood 
just, you know, myself before giving it to the kid. And the first thing I noticed was like, this thing goes way too fast mm -hmm. for a kid with a broken knee to yeah. ride around on the sidewalks of yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. It was like, it's a real, and it has incredible torque and pickup. It just, it just gets going fast really quickly. And you could easily imagine just face planting, you know, repeatedly. So we did That's what I do imagine. And that's why I don't ride them, but yes. So we didn't, we didn't actually give it to my son. What I noted, I started trying it out a little bit and I just had this really profound feeling of infantilization on the scooter. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't get around feeling just like I was, you know, in an Archie and Jughead comic from the fifties. <laughs> yeah. And I was like a, you know, an eighth grader at best at all yeah. this. Just, I just felt really weird and self-conscious. And is, is that something that you ever experience on a bicycle as well? Never. Really? Yeah. You never experienced it on a bike? Well, I, it made me think that like, oh, the, the, like the older generation of motorists who are always treating cyclists like they're riding around on a toy. This is like how I feel about scooters. Like, huh. I feel like I'm just right. Like, this isn't real transportation. I'm just riding around on a toy. And I couldn't, I, it made me relate to those guys who somehow or another have it in their heads that bikes are toys. I mean, this is really interesting to me because as a woman, when you're on a bicycle, you have their kind of two reactions that people have to you. I, I mean, aside from just you know, they just let you exist, which unfortunately <laughs> oh, doesn't happen yeah. all Very that nice often. Of, right? Terrible. But either it's like you're stopped at a light and, and the guy in the car next to you is like, oh, baby, look at those legs. They're really strong. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. I love that. They, I, you get that a that's lot. Those strong legs. I like that. Anyway, so that's like one mode. And then the other mode, the good part of it is when you're like, especially if you're wearing a dress, like I really like this, like if you're wearing a dress or a skirt, and you're riding along and like, let's say you're on uh, the West Side bike path and you're going along pretty fast and you see a guy ahead of you who's like on a, a nice bike, a lightweight road bike maybe. And you just, you think, let me just pick it up. Let me see if I can pass this guy. And you, and you do, and you pick up the pace and you come roaring from behind him and you just leave him in the dust and your skirt is fluttering behind you and you just know that that guy is like feeling pretty shitty about himself. And so <laughs> I, that's fun. What about these gender stereotypes? Sarah? Well, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's because for women, right, it's, emp it's empowering. And that's actually something that's been historically true, like from the first days of the bicycle. Susan B. Anthony talked about the bicycle as being a, a, a you know, a really empowering thing for women and and it was very controversial at first that women could ride around on bicycles because it gave them so much freedom mm -hmm. um and so, changed the clothing that they were wearing and it changed the clothing that they were yeah they actually had a thing called rational dress that yeah because you couldn't um, wear a long flowing skirt necessarily you had to wear you know, bloomers and a shorter skirt right yeah yeah or or even sort of trouser yeah. type things and so it was really um, and, and it gave women a kind of freedom. And I think that still, as a woman, you feel so much more free on a, on a bicycle. And I guess maybe on a scooter as well. I don't, I mean, I don't worry about being infantilized, but I feel like I'm too intelligent to want to ride around rough city streets on something that goes 20 miles an hour and can like flip me off uh, the minute I hit. You mean uh, a scooter? Yeah, I mean, sorry. Like tiny yeah, wheels that can yeah. hit a pothole and, yeah, and send and you just, flying. Yeah, it just seems like so dangerous to me. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, it's interesting. Like, we're, we ourselves are falling back onto this, like, 
stereotypical definition of masculinity and femininity, where masculinity, masculinity is strength, femininity is weakness. And it's so weird when you really break it down, because if you're in a car, you're sitting in a reclined position. In a plush bucket seat. You're, you're completely shielded from the elements. You can make it whatever temperature you want. You can listen to whatever music you want. And the only thing it takes to actually get this thing to move is tapping your toe, basically. Yeah, I know. But on a bicycle, and even on an e-scooter or an e-bike, it requires dexterity. It requires strength. It requires many of the things that we associate with stereotypical masculinity. Yeah. And yet, when you're on a bike, when you're on a scooter, it's the drivers who are like, I've been called a faggot, you know, you know mm -hmm. by oh, drivers, sure. right? And it's right. really weird that that's what we've accepted. It's like, wait a minute, I'm the one who's like busting my ass up this hill to get over the bridge. I'm the one who it's 98 degrees and I'm sweating getting these groceries home. You're the asshole in some like- In a rolling living in, room. In a living room. Surrounded and by 13 I'm, cup I'm holders. I'm the weak one and that's what we decided equals masculine. That, you know, and feminine, that's crazy. Well, and also it's interesting that sometimes even when guys say complimentary things to you, it's about that you're strong as a woman on a bicycle. It's sexualized, right? It's like, right. it's clearly like... Hey, baby, nice legs. Yeah, exactly. And like, oh, I like a strong woman. Like, mm-hmm. Anyway, but, <laughs> you know, so, so, I mean, I think that's all very true. I mean, it's interesting to think about women driving cars as well. Uh, you know, obviously in Saudi Arabia, it was a huge deal to let women drive cars and, and to, for women to get that freedom. I, I think that women's access to transportation is about freedom. And on a bicycle, one of the things that's exciting as a woman is that you're moving fast enough you don't get catcalled the way that you do when you're just walking down the street. Like the mobility part of it means that you are not exposed to the danger that, that you are exposed to in the same way when you're walking. So even as a um, balding 230 pound man, I, I've experienced the catcalling. Oh, have you know. let's, let's hear so? it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, there was a period where I could kind of relate to this for the first time. And it was when I started riding around Brooklyn in, in the Bach feats, in the box bike, the family bike. And mm. I, I had one of the first, I'm pretty sure I had one of the first box bikes in New York City. Like mm -hmm. there just weren't very many of them at all on the streets. And when my kids were little, we got one. And people would, and it, particularly it was like, working class guys, especially mm. Latino dudes, loved the Bach feats. Huh, and they would they would be like, yo man, that's an awesome bike. You know, or like what, what right, you know, right, like right. like I would just get these like cat calls from this, or like a bus driver, you know, would stop next to me and I'd be like, Oh, am I in your way? And be like, Oh, that's that's a great bike, man. I thought you were gonna say that that, you know, women would look at you yeah, compliment with your, your legs. Never. Or, no, no, no. That they, they would look at you caring for your children in this in this incredibly beautiful paternal way and they'd be like, Oh, he's he's hot. Like that's Yeah, because I I was gonna say that I never got hit on more than after I had a child. Like I, I was oh, like, yeah. if I knew this was the the success, the route to su success with women, I would have had a kid a long time ago. Right. Yeah. Maybe like a dog. <laughs> I don't know if that true. makes sense, but no, yeah, it totally but, but, makes yeah. sense. Like but having no, a dog, yeah. But so they weren't like hitting on me personally. Like it wasn't the same thing as like someone commenting on my legs. They were mostly just commenting on they thought my bike was cool. But it was this kind of this like flurry of unwanted attention right. that actually like at a certain point started to just like take energy from me. Right. I was like, oh God, I gotta like respond to you. Yeah, yeah, I got it in Amsterdam. How much did it cost? 
Uh, it was really expensive. <laughs> like, yeah. like it was the same set of like questions and comments. Um, and having to do those mental calculations of what do I answer that won't get me in further trouble or. Continue. And also I'm like exhausted. Yeah. I'm like schlepping up a hill with like yeah. two large to children going, and a folks. box bike. And I don't really want to chat. It did feel like I was like, oh, this is like what women deal with all the time. But actually it's even worse because it's like about their like body parts. Well, and also it's it's a lot worse because the average woman isn't 230 pounds and six foot whatever. <laughs> right, and right, can right. like absolutely just crush whoever is doing Thank it you. to I'm her. I'm glad you realized I could absolutely crush all <laughs> <Yeah>. these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, as a woman, that kind of exposure that you get on, uh, you know, a form of transportation that doesn't enclose you in a metal bubble is sometimes really dangerous. And so, you know, that that's a that's a calculus that women make all the time, right? You know, if they're if they're on a bike, I mean, I often think when I'm riding a bike at night in the city, especially, that I don't want to stop at a light if I'm in a kind of deserted area and I always think, well, if for some reason some cop decided to give me a ticket, I'd be like, what, you expect me to like sit here at the street corner and wait for somebody to assault me? Right. That's not something that enters my mind really ever. Yeah, I'm right. sure. I mean, yeah. have you guys ever been to a place like Mexico City or um, Indian cities where you know, they literally have to have special train cars for I, women. I have right. ridden on such yeah. a car in Delhi, which is, by the way, as, as, as a subway system, far more pleasant to use than the one in New York City. And um, and yeah, I've ridden on the women-only car and, and stood there, and um, actually they have open ends on the cars, and the guys aren't allowed to come in, but they stand there at the end of the cars, and they stare at you. Uh, oh God. That's creepy. And, that's, and it's really worse? creepy. Yeah. It's not worse than them the groping grabbing. you. Yeah. Um, but but I got so mad because I you know, I think that that we should live in a civilization where I can ride in the same car with somebody and I don't have to be worried like I don't like the idea of being ghettoized into some pink car on a train because you know, I have, men can't control themselves. Because men are so you know, fucked up that they can't like respect other people's bodies. But, you know, guess what? Welcome to reality. When, when we were in Mexico City a couple of years ago um, I, I, with my whole family, so like two boys, my wife and me, and um, we, we ended up getting on one of the women's cars. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> three, three. It took me like three stops before I was like, huh. I'm the only did, guy on this so train did, did car. The, so did the <laughs> did did women give you dirty looks? I, no, actually, it didn't. Nobody seemed to care. I think maybe because I was with my like two little kids and my wife, it didn't. It, or maybe it, they were so giving you dirty lo- looks and you didn't realize that's probably that could be the case. Right. But it, I think people were just like that guy's just a dumb tourist. He's just a gringo. Yeah, look at that American yeah. gringo. Look at that American. <laughs> yeah, but I, we're really kind of talking about two things, right? One is women in public space and their safety. And the other is what does just being on a bicycle or a scooter do to anybody? And why is it that one is seen as masculine and one is not? And it's, it's kind of two separate but related issues. One thing I was thinking about, about the whole idea of femininity, masculinity on a bicycle, you've seen the 40-year-old virgin I Steve actually Carell, never, never seen yeah. it. The way, one of the ways in which they set up his character, it's not enough to just have him admit that he has never had sex at, by the age of 40, that he doesn't really know how to talk about women's bodies or like doing sex things. Right. They have him, he's living, I think it's, the movie takes place in Los Angeles, definitely California. 
he doesn't drive. He rides a bicycle and he looks mm. like the biggest dork you've ever seen. Uh, not just because that's his character, but he's, they've got him in like a reflective vest, I think. And he doesn't drive. He can't like go pick up a lady in his car. And right. it's, it's a way of um, making him less masculine, of infantilizing him. He's a child. He has, I mean, the other part of his character is he has action figures, right? He's right. He collects toys. So everything about him if you build this character, is a child. And part of the way you do that is that he rides a bicycle. But it's interesting that since bicycles have become more fashionable, now they they are often promoted as fashion accessories. And you see them in a lot of fashion spreads with men. And that men riding bicycles has become sort of the hipster sexy thing. And then I've seen that too, them trying to do that with scooters. So like there was a picture that I, I hope we'll be able to find and, and put on the, in the show notes um, of it, like a dude in a suit, like cruising around a corner on his electric scooter, like, and, you know, and looking really hot. You know, I think that that's something that the scooter companies are very aware of and are trying to probably promote themselves, you know, as like a macho accessory um, and and they're going to work on it. And that's why they should have actually paid for that ad at the top. Well, I think that's one thing where like the car companies have been brilliant because the history of advertising in this country is basically just preying on people's insecurities and fears like the reason toothpaste you know, looks the way it does and foams up in your mouth is to assure you that your breath will be clean. And there are entire ad campaigns based on like, you don't want to be the one with bad breath and especially stuff that preys on women's insecurity and fears about their looks. Um, And I I guess if that can be applied to bicycles and scooters, great, good. We'll have more of ads like at the top of our show. Well, and it would be, it would be nice to see, you know, I mean, you've got like a guy like LeBron James who bikes to his you know bikes to work yeah. bikes to yeah. the stadium yeah. um or wants to i don't know he says he probably can't do that in la unfortunately but um but even think about that for a second lebron james bikes to work you know when he's in cleveland or anything and uh it becomes huge news oh my gosh lebron james is biking to work here is an athlete in his prime like yeah. peak physical condition you know, the, the, the greatest man, athlete, the most manly specimen of manly specimens. Absolutely, the greatest athlete in America. You know, next to like Serena Williams or people like that. And the very idea that he, oh my gosh, he bikes to work—that's right. unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's astounding to me. We would think nothing of him driving a hundred thousand dollar sports car six right. miles to the practice center, but, right. but doing the same in a bicycle. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's biking to work. I mean, one of the things I've always wished was that bike advocacy groups had the budget to turn a LeBron James, you know, biking ad into, you know, a Super Bowl ad so that you could pay like $2 million for 30 seconds of like LeBron biking and just being like, this is the way that, you know, real men or whatever. This <laughs> my, is the name way is, you... my name is LeBron James and I'm a real American. <laughs> right. well, I mean, and I bike. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that his school in Cleveland, he made bi- bicycles giving kids Akron, who go to that. Akron. Oh, sorry, in Akron. Yeah, that that um, that school, the kids are going to get bicycles. And, and it's because his own memories of riding a bicycle um, were, and for him, it meant freedom as well. And, and you know, and I think that's, that's really important. And so that idea of freedom, right, is that's what people are buying. One of the things that people are buying with cars is the idea of freedom when, of course, as we know, cars, uh, you know, come with a lot of baggage. They're literally like a 3,000-pound piece of baggage. 
And a bicycle is much more about freedom. And and if we could find a way of saying that um, that resonated with men who want to be manly men, as well as women who want to be women, right? And we're up again. And we're up against like a. It's like a billion dollar propaganda war to go up against the automobile industry. Yeah. I, so related to this idea though of freedom, um, I think one of the reasons. I'll give a good example. When you're on a bike and you're splitting lanes, right, going between cars that are stuck in traffic, we've all had this feeling probably when we're driving and you see a motorcyclist do it. You feel like that person is gaming the system. They're getting something that Mm. you're not getting. And I think for a lot of these issues, it's really about power and who thinks they deserve it. And when they see people skirting the system and getting something that they don't deserve, they get resentful. And And so I think that relates to a lot of the problems we have in this country right now where the dominant power structure thinks they deserve the power that they have and now we're seeing these these groups below them so to speak get something that they feel like they don't deserve so what do you do about that well you like you know cat call a woman and you make her feel less than a human or you call a person on a bike a faggot just because he's in front of your car Um, and I, i think a lot of that really speaks to power. And it's the kind of the general theme of what we're talking about, generally about the war on cars, I think, um, and specifically about how we, we get around who has the power, who deserves it, and who are these streets for? Just, Does that make sense? Yes, I agree with you that it's about power and that, that we think of power as being a masculine thing. And, you know, and, and I, I just want to say that I'm really glad that we're having this conversation, but I want to make sure that no one thinks that this is like, the war on cars episode about gender and transportation or gender and mobility, because we're going to be talking about this a lot more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're we're doing another one of these. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. Yeah. Because I I have a mic too, Aaron. (laughs) Wow. Aaron, I think you're a power. And Sarah, you have fantastic strong legs. (laughs) I just want to tell you that. This is a our compliment. last. It's a compliment. <laughs> this is our. Uh, I haven't seen your legs, so I don't know. I can't. I can't respond to that. I'm sure they're they're, they're beautiful. Thanks for joining us on our last and final episode of the War on Cars. I will be doing a solo episode from here on out. My name is Doug Gordon. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. No. I mean, I think like more specifically, I think Sarah's right though because there are so many ways into this topic. We talked kind of generally about it today, and we jumped around from. Uh, pop culture to our own experience being on the street to riding around with our kids to riding around alone as a woman. Um, But there are so many specific ways we can get into this. We actually want to hear from you, our listeners, about your experiences riding while female, driving while female, walking, just getting around while female specifically. Or Or while male. Or while male. We want to hear like how does your gender affect the way that you get around. And can you give us some specific examples? We'd love to hear about or it. Or identity in general. Right. So getting bringing it back to scooters and, and our original topic, how do you th- we think that all of these gender issues will be changed or can they be changed through scooters, through bikes, e-bikes, micro-mobility? What's the potential there to fix this problem? Or, or, or can it be fixed? I mean, I do think that being on a scooter... Um, and having men feel those feelings that they have of vulnerability and, you know, less than like conventional masculinity could actually 
change some attitudes. I mean, it, you know, I think that, that men having that experience could make them better people. I kind of feel like the whole thing is going to get thrown into this gaping maw of polarization that's happening between sort of like right and left and cities and rural suburban places where, you know, in cities, you'll see people scooting around on scooters and there'll be women, there'll be men and, you know, there'll be people of, you know, gender fluid people and because that's how cities are going to be right. like people just, I mean, like whatever we're, we're all living here together. Um, you know, and there'll still be all the problems that we have, but meanwhile, I think you'll see this other set of maybe more rural and suburban, more right wing, more car oriented people who are just like, I'm not riding on one of those scooters. That's, that's like not for men. That's not even for people. That's not how we get around. Yeah, I think there's this just going to be this like divide and the scooters are going to seem really weird to the to the rural right and the big, you know, gas guzzling coal rollers are going to seem really weird to the urban left. So it won't be it won't be that cars are masculine and scooters are feminine. It'll be cities are feminine mm. and red America, rural America is like the real macho America. You know, I think that what is that dichotomy between being feminine and being masculine or why does a city seem feminine when, when you can, um, you know, because the way people move around, I think it has to do with vulnerability and humanity, which we are, those are things that we associate with femininity. And, and like when people are moving around in a city on scooters or on bikes or by foot, you can see them. You can see them as human beings. You can see their bodies. And, you know, sometimes that's sexy. Sometimes it's just it's just human. But you you look at each other and and you appreciate each other as as animals, as humans. But that that implies vulnerability, right? And people are frightened by that. And so, you know, maybe that's part of what's going on and part of why we perceive cars as being masculine and and, and other things as being feminine. I don't know. Clearly, there's a lot to explore here. We're not gonna we're not gonna finish it today. Um, it's been a great conversation. This has been episode seven of the War on Cars. Yeah, and before we say goodbye, we want to remind you to support us on Patreon. Also, want to remind you about our T-shirts at Cotton Bureau. We'll put a link in the show notes to that. We want to thank the Law Office of Vaccaro and White for once again being our top sponsor. And please, if you would like to, I think we've been saying, knock them off. You know, give us more money. Yeah, that would be great. Um, we got to do like a Vaccaro and White ad to it. Like Vaccaro and White, the law firm you never hope to actually use. Yeah, they represent a lot of crash victims and do amazing work here in New York City. Uh, I don't know of anybody quite as good as them anywhere else. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because they give us money. They're amazing people. Yeah, everyone That's I've true. referred them to has had really good luck with them. Yeah, yeah I've had that exact same But experience. seriously, like they should be, at, in an ideal world, they would have no business. Yep. So we are recorded by Peter Carl. Our music is by Nathaniel Goodyear. Our design is by Danny Finkel of Crucial D Designs. Our producer is Curtis Fox. I am Aaron Napperstack. I'm Sarah Goodyear. I'm Doug Gordon. And we are the War on Cars. And we are the War on Cars. <laughs> do it, do it, that's, do it. that's much tougher than my, my bird, bird ad that I did at the beginning. And we way. are the War on Cars. Oh, I mean, yeah, do, do that one. Do that again. Now we're just having a voice off. <laughs> <laughs> and we are the War on Cars. 
Hey, everybody, we're the war on cars. <laughs> no, I can't do it. I, the Dodge ad, the, the bird ad was as, this. L- as low as I could.